Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. that we have to be here today, God, just to celebrate. And God, I thank you for that thing that I have in my heart right now, that miracle, that breakthrough, that answer, that hope that I need today. God, I thank you that you have the power for that word. God, I thank you, God, if I've got cancer, God, you are the power over cancer. God, if I've got depression, you are the power over that word. God, if I've got, I need direction and hope, God, you are the power over that. And God, I thank you today. And I release your power into that word, into that situation. And God, I will be changed today in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen in the house if you believe that. Come on, high five two people around you and say, man, it's your day today. It's your day. It's your day. It's your day today. We're almost at the finish line right now. 21 days of prayer and fasting, believing for God to change our lives, believing for God to move in our lives. And I pray over these few days that you've disconnected and reconnected to the right power. And, and, and I pray as you move forward, don't just go back to where you were. Don't resort back to who you used to be because 21 days into this, you're a different person. You've developed, you've built, you've broken some habits that needed to be gone and now you've got some new things in place. I know every night you like tuning in at 9 o'clock. Well, you know what? Every night tune in to God yourself. Get alone with God. Set your alarm clock just to have a time with God at 9 o'clock before you go to bed and just read God's Word and just pray. But we are so excited today because we like to always end our fast with having a miracle prayer service. Just believing for God to move. How many of you need a miracle today? Let me see your hand right now. What we're talking about is something only God can do. Let me see that hand. That's the miracle. If I can do it, I don't need God. Come on, let me see those hands right now. I I, I need a miracle. Well, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. How How many have received a miracle over these last 21 days that God has moved? Look around you. God's already moved in people's lives and He's doing. How many knows that God is a miracle God? You see, what are you trying to do, Pastor? I'm trying to build expectation in the house. I'm trying to build an anticipation because here's what we know about expectancy. Are you ready? It's the breeding ground of miracles. When we come expecting God to move, God will move. And this Sunday really shouldn't be any different to every Sunday because we should come every Sunday expecting God to move in our lives because when we come like that, God will move. Because God is here. If you haven't felt God today, check your pulse. You're dead. Because He's here. And He wants to touch your life. So who's ready today? Woo! Wow, what a great month it's been as we look to build what we have called habits of success in each and every one of our lives. So let's just recap a little bit. What have we been talking about each week? We are 
what we repeatedly do. We form our habits, but then our habits begin to form us. What else have we discovered is most have uphill hopes. I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to get out of debt this year. My marriage is going to be, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to better myself. We have uphill hopes, which is great to have, but many of us have downhill habits. Hope is a great motivator, but it won't sustain us. It won't see us through. It's a great starting point, but you've got to have habits. You've got to have action. You've got to put things in place in your life, principles that you can build upon. Thank God for resolutions, but we're not about resolutions. We're about setting habits, a course for our life that's going to see God move in a greater way. Here's our theme scripture, Romans 12, 2 from the Message Bible. It says, instead, I love that, instead. What what have you done before? What have you turned to before? What have you looked to before? God's saying, instead of those things, why not fix your attention on me? That's what we've been doing through fasting, isn't that right? We've been focusing. When you're kind of hungry and you're you're getting social media withdrawals. You know some of you have been going through that. Some of you have been like shaking like this and someone said, what's wrong with you? Man, nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, there's something wrong. I haven't checked Facebook for like seven days. (laughs) But what are we doing? Instead, we are fixing our attention on God. Allowing a disconnect from the world so we can reconnect with God. Why? Because He's the only one that can change me from the inside out. I'm tired of just dressing up the outside and nothing happening on the inside. God wants to do it. Man, I'm ready to preach today. God wants to do a work inside of you that will change the outside. But it comes from the depths, from the heart. And the Bible says that when we fix our attention on God, let Him change us, then we'll begin to recognize what God wants for us and we'll do it. We'll quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around us that wants to drag us down till its level of immaturity. But, thank God, even in the darkness, there's a bright light. But God wants to bring the best out of you. And God wants to develop you. Come on. God wants to make you well-formed. God wants to make you mature. What a great scripture. Fixing our attention on God. Building godly habits for success in my life. So what's the first three? Number one that we've looked at is I've got to focus on what I do first. First is important. What are we doing? We're praying first. We're going to God first. Well, that would just change your whole year just right there. First thing you do in the morning, pray. The first thing you do before you go in for your meeting at work, you pray. Before you go and see the doctor, you pray. Before you send your kids on the bus, pray. Before you return that email, pray, 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 pray. (laughs) And what is the promise is that when we give to God first, the promise is supernaturally He will bless that. And so I want to see God's supernatural blessing in my life. The second habit that we looked at was I've got to control my thoughts. How do we control our thoughts? By having a renewed mind. God wants to renew our mind. Maybe that's the miracle that you need today in your mind, in your thinking. You've got stinking thinking that you're beating yourself up. I've seen people who have been literally paralyzed physically and the problem wasn't their legs, it wasn't their arms, it wasn't their waist, it was between their ears. As a man thinks, so he is. Everything starts with a thought. So we've got to realize our thoughts determine our life. 
So I've got to think the right thoughts. Last week we talked about aligning my life to purpose. And not just any purpose, but God's purpose. I've got to live by design instead of default. Too many of us are living by default. Oh, it's default of everyone else. That's a good one, huh? (laughs) You've got to live by design. The design that God has for your life. God created you. God made you with a purpose. You were made on purpose with a purpose. You are his workmanship created to do good works that God beforehand set in place. Why? God didn't make you and then go, oh, what are we going to do? God knew the purpose and he created you to fulfill that purpose. That's the introduction. Drum roll. You ready? Come on, habit number four. Here's it. Here it is. You ready? You've got to choose the right relationships. Is it just me or does it seem the subject of relationships has come up quite a lot lately? And you know the reason that is. Here's the reason why that is. Who and where we are in life is drastically impacted by those around us. Those around us can be both good and bad. So what does that mean? The good people can drastically impact our lives for good, but the bad people can take us down. And so we are drastically impacted by those who are around you. Some we can choose, some you can't choose. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your families. And so, so some of the situations we realize we, we can't have choice over, but yet we can still allow God to move in that behalf. And in that area, not allow our lives to be negatively impacted. Here's what I realized today. And if you really get one thing from this message, I think you need to hear this. Your relationship decisions are the most important decisions you will ever make in your life. Who you do life with. Who you allow into your life. Who you surround yourself. Because it's your relationships that define you. I know we're going quick today, but show me your friends and I will show you your future. Oh, we don't like that, but that's the truth. If you don't believe that, I've got a scripture for you. You ready? Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpeneth iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, but lead will take you to the bottom. Oh, it doesn't say that. Oh, yeah, it does. Where where does it say that? From Genesis to Revelation? Iron sharpeneth iron. So I build up, I sharpen a friend, but I'm telling you right now, lead's going to... A lead weight's going to take you to the bottom. You've got to be around people who are sharpening you, not drowning you, not pulling you down, not hurting and harming your life. So today I want to give you four choices. Is that cool? The message is broken up into two parts. The first part, we're going to look at four choices that you need to make in your relationships. Actually, four verbs. Verb is an action word. So action is required. Turn to your neighbor and say, action is required. So look look at this. Four verbs that we're going to give you today. Number one, nurture. Nurture. Say with me, nurture. I've got to nurture the important relationships of my life. The word nurture in the dictionary means to bring up, to care for, to foster, to rear, and to train. In other words, if I'm going to nurture something, it's going to take effort. It's going to take work. It's going to take involvement. It's hard work. Remember, it's uphill hopes, no uphill habits that we need to develop. Anything of success comes through hard work. We've got to nurture those relationships by what? By putting time and commitment into them. Here's a question for you today. I wonder 
What important relationship of your life needs to be nurtured? What, what, what do you need to give extra effort and commitment to? You, you may be sitting here today and say, well, my marriage isn't good. It's not the marriage's fault. It's not a bad marriage. It's the fact that you're not nurturing that relationship and you're not putting in the effort to love each other. You've got to put in the time and the effort. It's not their fault. It's my fault. You've got to nurture those things. What do we know? The grass is always greener. No, where you water it. The grass is always greener where you water it. If your lawn is black and brown and dead, hey, that's not your neighbor's. It's not anyone else's fault. You're not watering. I wonder how many of our relationships in our lives are green, but yet the most important relationships are dead. How, how, how have we got to work? We've got to work from the most important relationships out. We've got to work from those closest to us, our spouse, our children, those closest. That's what we've got to be. Most of us work from the outside in. We give our work more effort than our spouse. We give our sports and activities and times more place than our kids. Come on, I'm preaching louder than you're responding today. You've got to nurture from the inside and work out. It's so much easier to keep a fire going, isn't it? Remember when you would light a fire? It's so much easier to throw a piece of wood on a fire that's already lit instead of having to get the matches and get in the, and the newspaper and the kindling and all that kind of stuff. And you've got to strike that match and light it. And you've got to blow. And, and then you can't just put everything on it because you put it out. It takes time. It's a lot easier to keep the fire burning while it's burning. So, so don't let that relationship kindle out. If you have, it's okay. You can get some wood. You can get some newspaper. You can get some matches. And you you can start again. But the problem is this. Too often we are led by our feelings. Well, I just don't feel the same about them anymore. My feelings have changed. We cannot allow our feelings to lead us because your feelings will lie to you. Here's God's way. Are you ready? You've got to choices lead feelings follow. Love is a choice. I've got to choose to love and then what happens? Well, feelings will begin to follow. Well, I just don't feel that. They're going to lie to you. You've got to make the right choices for your life. That's God's way, by the way, right there. You've got to make the choice and then the feelings will follow. Give the necessary effort. Nurture that relationship. Look to create family time at home. Look to have a date night. Kelly and I went out on a date night on Friday. It was awesome. We haven't done enough lately. And we need to do that more. Enjoy just being with her and just hanging out. And and wow, she's so good looking to sit across the table from too. She's my BFF. She's my best friend. And I love her so dearly. But set time to talk. Fill the love tank. Speak each other's Language. First Peter 4, 7 and 8 says, The end of this world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Importance of praying right there. But most importantly of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Come on, work on loving, not on dividing. So much division around us today. 
so much unrest, racial tension, just disunity today in the world all around us. I'm excited about next month's series. Come on, unity in your mind, family, home, and church. We're talking about every part because next week, Pastor Pete's going to be preaching a double-minded man will be unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is instability. Come on, two will become one. How can you walk unless you agree? We're going to be talking about all those kind of things. But work on covering. Got a lot of people who are good at exposing today. You know that person, they like to just expose everyone's junk on social media and just tell and gossip and and just say, well, I'm doing it for good. No, you, you can never gossip for good. So we've got to be nurturing, not destroying. Because you don't fluke your way into success, I'm just saying. It takes uphill habits. Nurturing important relationships. The godly ones. Come on, the good ones that are going to bless your life. Word number two, you ready? Restore. Say with me, restore. restore. You've got to restore some broken relationships. What do I mean by that, Pastor? Or what do you mean by that, Pastor? You've got to learn to forgive. Some of you right now need to forgive. You've got to choose to forgive. Well, I don't feel like forgiving. Choices lead. Feelings. Come on, help me out. Choices lead. Feelings follow. I've got to make the choice to forgive. And I know today that forgiveness is not always easy to do. Especially when others reject it. When you offer your forgiveness and they shut the door in your face or they don't return your call or they don't respond. I know it's not easy, but can I tell you right now and really help you with forgiveness? And that is this. Forgiveness is still your responsibility to do because here's what true forgiveness is. True forgiveness is one-sided. True forgiveness is between you and God. Oh, it maybe has something to do with that, other, but that's not dependent upon your forgiveness. True forgiveness is between you and God, because if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, that's a separation between you and God. So it's my responsibility whether or not that person chooses to forgive me or not. And I'm so glad about that, because what if they don't choose to forgive me, then I'm not forgiven. Thank God it's just between me and God. Because I'm not relying on someone else to live in forgiveness or not. And can I tell you something about God? He'll forgive you every time if you'll ask Him. So forgiveness is your... Well, they did me wrong. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility between you and God. You may say, well, pastor, that relationship is too painful to restore. There's too much to forgive. There's too much problems. There's too much history there. Well, you know, I've been in ministry for a few years now. I was thinking today, I've been literally in ministry for over 30 years. As a 16-year-old young man, I was in ministry and leading worship and just even younger than that. I'll be 47 this year, over 30 years being involved in ministry and brought up in ministry. I've seen some things. And I'm telling you right now, what I have witnessed with unforgiveness in both my life and in the life of other people. And that is this. Are you ready? The pain of restoration is a lot less than the pain of remaining in that state. Well, well, pastor, it's painful. Yes, it is. But it's a lot less painful than living like that every day because you're going to wake up with that every day. You're going to go to bed. It's going to hit you every day. You are in a constant. It's like surgery. It's like someone turning surgery down and saying, I don't want to be, have surgery because it's going to be painful. That's pain on purpose. 
That's pain with a purpose. What is the purpose of going through surgery? So you'll hurt? No. So you'll be healed. So you'll have that thing removed from your life that's destroying you. So you can get, oh, there's a time where you've got to follow the doctor's orders and you maybe can't lift up more than 10 pounds and you've got to watch what you do. But there's a process for what? For your healing. And that's what you got to realize. There's a process of forgiveness. Oh, you forgive immediately, but it can be painful. But you work through that. Why? Because there's healing that's going to come. And let me add this when it comes to forgiveness. Trust and forgiveness are two separate things. Forgiveness is something that you can do immediately. I forgive that person. But trust is something that has to be earned and restored and may never in certain relationships ever be restored. So just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you need to trust them and let them in again. Remember that neighbor's dog that bit me, the story? Everyone knows that story. I went in his yard and he bit me. I never went back in his yard, but I forgave him from my side of the fence. So forgiveness doesn't mean you have to go back in the yard with that dog to bite you again. Doesn't put you back in harm's way because now you've got wisdom with that forgiveness and you see things in the right way. Look at this. Forgiveness never makes them right. But it does set you free. Romans 12, 17 and 18 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of men. I love verse 8. If it is possible, as much as depends on who? You. As much as depends on me. Live at peace. Live peaceably with all men. If it is possible, sometimes it's not in their case. Sometimes it's not possible for them to forgive you, but it's possible in you. Come on, it's possible within you. You can let it go. If you can't live with peace with them, you can live at peace within you. Because God's peace can come into your life. In the Lord's Prayer, there are actually seven things that the Lord's Prayer outlines for us to do. And one of those is forgiveness. Matthew 12, 2, or 6, 12 says this, And forgive us our sins, our debts, as we have forgiveness for those who sin against us. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespassed against us. So how does forgiveness come? God says this, God will forgive me as I forgive them. Forgiveness comes by the measure And the degree in which I give back. And I think that needs to be a regular prayer of our life. Maybe every day. God, if I've got unforgiveness. I I prayed that prayer just last week going home. Because here's what I said. I was praying for someone that hurt me. I, I was praying for someone that had done me wrong. I'm telling you, they have done me wrong. And I was praying for them. And I said, God, you know in my heart that I haven't got unforgiveness towards them. And I want you to. And then I stopped my prayer and I said, hold on a second, God, I'm not telling you that I don't. God, do I have? This is literally my conversation with God. I can tell myself I don't. But God, do I have unforgiveness in my heart towards them? Because God, if I do, God, right now, I want you to come in. Come on. And and I love that moment with God. And I'm thankful that God says, no, Philip, there is a release and there is a peace. But don't just say, well, I have. Ask God, God, if I have not, just open up my heart to be forgiving. Keep short accounts. Because I'm telling you right now, to have unforgiveness in your heart, you will never live a successful life. I heard someone say this this week, and I thought this was really cool. Look at this. Unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping they die of smoke inhalation. (laughs) 
That doesn't work. But it's going to hurt you. But why should I forgive? Hey, I've got a verse for that. Colossians 3.13. Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who has offended you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive. Why should I forgive? Because he forgave me. I'm forgiven. It kind of helps me to forgive someone else when I realize how much God has forgiven me from. Because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve his forgiveness, but he gives it to me. So who am I now to be in a position to say they don't deserve forgiveness? Because I've got to give in order to get. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Anyone been forgiven some stuff in the house? Remember that and that should help you. Come on, word number three. Got to move along. Sever. Say with me, sever. I've got to sever harmful relationships. Or at least you need to redefine those harmful relationships. What does it mean to sever? It means to cut out, remove, get out that which doesn't belong, that which is not good for you. Amos 3.3 says this, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? When I read that scripture, here's what jumped into me. This is what I wrote down. Who's leading who? Two people can't walk together unless they are in agreement. So who's leading who in these relationships? Are they leading me on the wrong path? Because we can't go in two directions at one time. And we think, oh, we can come to church on a Sunday and we can be friends with these people. No, 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 no. You've got to realize they are leading you. You are going the wrong direction. What direction are you heading? The Bible says you can't be unequally yoked. So you're tied to something that can be taking you in the wrong direction. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Don't be misled. You're going the wrong direction. Don't be misled. One translation says deceived. Why? Because bad company will corrupt good character. New King James says it will destroy good habits. You're trying to set good habits in your life. The wrong people are going to take you the wrong way. Oh no, I'm in control. How can two walk together unless they agree? What direction are you going? What relationships need to be severed in your life? What relationships are unhealthy, unwholesome, damaging to you? Social media is an opportunity for so many people to reconnect. And the stats are pretty alarming when you begin to research it and look at it. How many people who are married and in a relationship are hooking up on social media with old flames and old people because they've rediscovered each other again. Here's a true story for you. There was actually a couple who was having an affair on social media, both of them at the same time, and they didn't realize. And one day they planned to meet the people, and when they met, they met each other. True story. True story. True story. But you know what? It didn't end well. They were so hurt and so frustrated that they ended up being divorced. Man, you got to watch... Come on right now, if you're on social media, have joint accounts. If you're a husband and wife, be on the same page together. And if you're not on the same page together, then don't have passwords and lockdowns that they don't know about. Don't put your phone on lock and and be mad when your spouse grabs it. My phone can be left anywhere. In fact, my wife even tracks me. I'm good with that because I track her too. Week, she said, Man, how come it took you so long to get home? Because I saw that you left at this. What? Yeah. But have accountability. That's okay. When you've got nothing to hide, everything's okay. 
The enemy wants to destroy your relationships that are good. So you've got to sever those that are not good. Don't flirt with the enemy because the Bible says if you take fire into your bosom, you're going to be burnt. Oh, well, it's just, it's just a harmless thing. We just meet at the water cooler every day. Stop. Stop it. If that's not something that you can stand up in front of the church and pro- proudly proclaim, it's something that doesn't need to be belonging in your life. Temptation and opportunities are everywhere. Sever those. Proverbs thirteen twenty. He walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companions of fools will be destroyed. At least redefine those relationships. Those people you work with, they're maybe not your friends, they're just someone you work with. Set boundaries, build fences. You know what fences are for? To keep in the good and to keep out the bad. Put fences around. You're not in this area. You're not in my circle of friendship. Keep people at bay. Keep people at an arm's length. And don't get caught up with what the world says because the world says, hey, you can shack up and you can do all those. Come on, that's not going to get you God's blessing in your life. And if you're living like that, I love you enough to tell you, go back to mama's house, one of you. Divide, why? We'll counsel you and we can help you and then God can bless your life. Some people may say, well, that's not popular preaching. People are not going to like you for that. Listen, I've got to tell you the truth because it's the truth that will bring freedom to your life. Sever the wrong relationships and build the right relationships. The last one, initiate. Say with me, initiate. Initiate meaningful relationships. Initiate, my definition is make it happen. Make meaningful relationships happen in your life. Many times you're waiting for someone else to call you. You're waiting for them to reach out. They probably won't. Don't be a stalker though. But put yourself out there. You've got to put yourself out there. Proverbs 18.24, a man who has friends must what? Be first friendly. You've got to be friendly to get friends. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A lot of people say, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, it can be Jesus because he can be that friend that sticks closer to the brother. But I believe God can put people in your life that can be not just fair weather friends, but they can be all weather friends, that they're there and they're in it with you and they tell you and love you enough to tell you the truth. Why? Because we need each other. I need people in my life. Hebrews 25 says, not giving up on meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, The habit, a natural habit for most of us is to isolate ourselves and not to connect. Come on, we're changing those habits. We're setting the right ones in place because I need to be encouraging. I need to have encouragement around me. I need to be encouraging one another. And even so much more as the day, capital D, approaches the day his return is coming. So here's the last part of my message. Are you ready? How do I initiate meaningful relationships? Or better said, what relationships do I need to develop and build and initiate in my life? I want to quickly give you four. You ready? Number one, develop my relationship with my church. Say with me, my church. My church. If you're going to develop a relationship with your church, it sure helps if you're here to do that. Well, I just don't feel connected to people. Well, it kind of helps if you're here. You're going to feel disconnected. You don't show up at your job for two weeks. You ain't going to know what's going on when you come back. That's your fault, not their fault. They can't wait for you. If you're disconnected, look where you're planted. Look where you're grounded. Because that's a big lie that the enemy, well, I just don't feel apart. Well, you never come. 
You never come. You need to be here. But notice how I've worded that. Develop a relationship with my church. I love when it goes from church to my church. I've heard people say this. Well, I just kind of came here because this is my kids' church. But then there was a shift. Does anyone remember that shift? I came here. I look at Tony and Dupe. They came here because this was Chad and April's church. But it didn't take long for them to say, they ain't your church anymore. It's my church. But something happens, listen to me, something happens when you shift from coming to belonging. Not just coming to church, not just attending a church, not just having a consumer mindset, gimme, 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 but being a producer, being a member, belonging. Everyone needs to belong. That's why we say many times, everyone needs a family. Everyone needs a home. Now, I understand this. There are seasons in our life where perhaps we need to attend. I know that when I went through what I'd gone through just before I started this church, leaving a ministry here in town, there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of rejection. I wasn't in a place where I was in a good place to minister. I had to be ministered to. I had to sit under great teachers. I thank God for Brother Larry Stockstill and others that I sat under and they just ministered to me because I needed that healing. I wasn't ready to stand up and be a leader. I would have done the church and each and every one of you a disjustice. So there are seasons in our life that we need healing and we need strength. But we need to move on from those. You can't stay there. You've got to step from being an attender to a member. Here's what I've learned. You get more out of a relationship when you're committed to it. Let me explain that to you. I once was an attender when it came to Kelly. We were just dating. I was attending. But one day we got married and I became a member. And membership has greater benefits. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You get more out of a relationship when you are committed to it, when you belong to it. You're a part of it. Here's what we want you to have in this church. Are you ready? We want you to have ownership in this church. Because when you have ownership in this church, you'll take pride. Man, that's my coffee. That's my band. That's my chairs. So what happens when you have that mentality of the chairs aren't straight? You'll straighten them up because this is my house. You see a piece of paper on the floor, you're picking it up because that's my church. If you've got some trash that you dropped around you, you're picking it up and putting it in the trash. Because why? I'm taking ownership in what a difference it makes. And I'll help you with this. Are you ready? I'm releasing you right now. I've got some great pastor friends in church. In town. I meet with them every month. Some great pastor friends. In fact, Chad, Dinkle Purpose Church, they are celebrating one year today. Good job, Chad. Good job. And we sent them a video message from our church telling them how proud we are of them. I'm telling you right now, if Encounter Church isn't for you, I can refer you. I can recommend you. I can send you UPS or however you want to go. I can send you there. Because we realize we're not everyone's flavor, but that's okay. We're going to do what God has called us to do. But I'm telling you right now, if this is your flavor, if this is where God has planted you, then here's what you need. Are you ready? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, Psalms 92, 13. Come on, you're going to flourish. You need to get planted so you can belong, so you can grow in the house. I love that. I love this house. I love my church. Number two, I've got to develop my relationship with godly friends. Say with me, godly friends. 
how do I know if they're godly or not? (laughs) Are they encouraging you in God? Well, no, no. Are they encouraging, if they're encouraging you and taking you higher and they're godly friends, if they're not, they're just friends. And so you can be around those kind of friends, but you can't overdo that kind of friendship because it's going to override everything else. You've got to look at your consumption and what you are putting in. I love the paralyzed man that we read of in the Gospels. He couldn't get to Jesus, but he had some friends that could help him. And when they got to Jesus, the door was locked. It was too busy. They didn't say, we're going home. They said, buddy, we brought you here and we're going to make it happen. I I need some friends in my life that are going to tear off some roofs and say, even if it's going to cost me, I'll get my paycheck out. I'll get my wallet out. I'll take you out for a meal. I'll pay your rent. I'll help you. And I I want some people like that that are going to get me to Jesus no matter what. Do you have friendships like that around you? Because the Bible says, woe to him who falls if he's alone. Got to have friendships around it. I am what I am today. I am standing behind this pulpit leading a church because of the friends that I had in my life. Because I wasn't a perfect kid. I know that shocks every one of you. I wasn't a bad kid, but we got up to mischief. We were kids. But we always had the people around us that would steer us in the right direction. You've got to have those people in your life. And don't look for the masses. Begin with the ones and the twos. But find those people and begin to work out from there. Acts 2.44. All the believers met together. This is a picture of the early church. All the believers met together in one place. And notice what they did. They shared everything they had. They shared everything. I like that. They took down the masks. Come on, they they opened up to each other. I know the Bible speaks about that they shared money and their help. And they they took care of each other. But they took down the masks. We can come to church every week and have the mask up and no one knows us. We can put our church front on, but we're not building godly relationships. We're just coming and doing the godly thing to come to church. You've got to get the mask down. How do we get the mask down? Small groups. Get in a group. Sign up today. Come on, you've had a week to look at that thing. Sign up before you leave today. And I'm going to tell you something about the groups. You can look at all the content. You can pick and choose everything. I'm telling you right now, the content isn't what's important. You're going to learn marriage if that's what you come to. You're going to get in shape if you go to body believers. You're going to learn God's vocabulary if you're going to go to gym's class. You're going to learn how to eat if you come to my lunch and breakfast and and the content is not what's important listen to me right now the content is really just the hook it's just the hook because really the most important thing is that you do life with other people you begin to connect and you say what you too me too and you let down the masks and you begin to share with other people you got to find godly friends that you can be real and honest with I'm telling you something right now. Are you ready? There's some things that you don't know about me. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to tell you. But I'm in trouble if I'm not telling anyone. Do you hear me? I'm in trouble if I'm not telling. I've got pastor friends. I've got close friends. I've got an Uncle D I talk to on the phone every day. And I open up my heart to him. And there's such transparency in our relationship. 
I've got Pete in the office. I've got others that I can share and bear my heart with confidence knowing that they're not going to expose me. They're not going to, because we all have problems in life. I'm telling you right now, pastor ain't perfect. We're all in this together. But what we've got to do is you've got to realize I'm in trouble if I'm not telling anyone. I can't stand up every Sunday and be discouraged and depressed and down. Do I get discouraged, depressed and down? Sure do. But I've got to stand up here every week and encourage you and give you the strength. And give you. And that's not because I don't have feelings. It's because I've found people who I can talk to. My wife is a great person to talk to. I love talking to Kelly. Get in a group, pull the mask down, get the healing that you need. For some of you, it's kind of nervy, kind of, you're not good in small groups. Well, uphill habits, you, you got to step into it and you're going to end up loving the groups and you're going to be upset. Trust me, at the end of the semester, you're going to be, man, why have we got to stop for a month? We're stopping for a month so we can train you so you can lead a group next semester. I'm telling you right now, put it to work, it works. Number three, I'm almost done. You've got to develop relationships with a team. Say with a team. We call our ministry teams here dream teams. We want you to get on a team. There's such a great feeling of accomplishment when you do something together with people. When you have fun together, you're serving coffees in the cafe. By the way, get a free sample before you leave. Because they're only free this week because we're charging you next week. But get one of those specialty coffees. Why go to Starbucks on the way to church when you can come to Encounter Cafe and 50% goes to in-house missions? Support your church. But look at this statement. I promise you this. You will never do anything significant in life alone. Never. Ecclesiastes 4, 8, and 9. This is the case of a man who was all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who worked hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all meaningless and depressing. And then the next verse, but two are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. One translation says they have good return for their labor. Come on, go to growth track. Get on a team to be a part. Next week starts our new series of growth track. Four weeks. Get on a team. Start serving. Worship and serve. Last but not least, number four, I've got to develop my relationship with God. Say with me, with God. With God. God. Many believe in God, but they've never fully given him their lives. We're doing a series right now on Friday night called The Christian Atheist. And The Christian Atheist is this, when you say you believe in God, but you live as though he doesn't exist. And that's how a lot of people are living today. Oh, I believe in God, but your actions and your life is saying something completely different. Bad, you can come back. Here's a question for you today. What would your life look like if you went all in with God? I don't want you just to try God. I want, to, I want you to give Him the opportunity to completely change your life. Psalms 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him, who takes or makes his refuge in him. Every week, what do I try to do? I try to paint the picture for you. I try to tell you of the benefits of living a life for God. But unfortunately, I cannot make that decision for you. Oh, we're so good at going all in with sports teams. Come on, we give our teams everything. 
We'll walk miles to get to stadiums. We'll spend money. Oh, that's okay. We'll spend every penny that we can. We'll we'll dress like our teams. We'll act like a fool and shout and dance and clap and scream. That's a lot like the book of Psalms. Did you know that? That the book of Psalms tells us that we should shout and clap and raise our hands and jump up and down. Because that's being a fan. Christians for too long have been labeled as fanatics. I'm not a fanatic. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of God. What does that mean? I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to give Him. Listen to me today. Listen. Why should I give my best to a team that doesn't even know my name? When I can give my life to a God who created me. Don't wait for a crisis to find God. I would say 80% of the needs that we have come through our pastoral team here at the church. 80%, I would say, are people who are not actively engaged and come into church. And they've got needs financially, in their marriages, in their homes, but they're not here. And what they want from us, they want a magic wand. They want us just to wave a magic wand. They want us just to sign a check and thank you. And then they'll come back again when there's a crisis. Don't wait for a crisis to find God. Because he's not just God of your crisis. He wants to be God of your life. And when he's God of your life, I'm telling you, there's going to be a whole lot less crisis in your life. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, God says you'll find me. If you look for me, not with a part, he says, but if you look for me with everything. Come on, that's what changes your life forever. Thank God for others and being on a team and everything else. But come on, I don't want to go through the motions. I want to have a relationship with God. You might say, well, pastor, I thought this was Miracle Sunday. It is. Because healings are important, but they're not the most important. Because sickness won't keep you from heaven. But not knowing God will. Cancer won't keep you from heaven. But having a heart that's not surrendered to God will. You see, I can be well on this earth and still not make it to heaven if I don't know Jesus. And one day we will get healed when we're in heaven. But the greatest miracle of all is knowing Jesus. Surrendering everything to Him. One more slide and then I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Remember, hell is where people go who want to pay for their own sins. Jesus died to pay the price for you. You don't have to pay it any longer. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Come on, he paid the price. He paid the price. I want to pray first and foremost today for those of you who would say, I I need Christ in my life. I need Jesus. Because that's where we're going to start at the greatest miracle. And then I'm going to ask them to begin to worship. And we're going to worship. We're going to set the tone. But after, when they're worshiping, I'm going to get my lead team to come forward. And I'm going to pray over them. And then we're going to pray for you. But as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, do you know God? You see, I've got to develop. I've got to initiate 
the godly relationships of my life. I've got to initiate. I've got to be the one that pulls the walls down and says, God, I need you in my life. I've got to have you in my life. I've got to be the one that does that. Today, would you do that? Would you give your heart to Christ? Is there anyone today that would lift up their hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to surrender to him. Is there anyone today? I want to go all in with God. I want to give him everything. Thank you. Thank you. There's a hand. There's another hand. Come on, let's praise God in the house for people who are responding. (laughs) Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? I'm going to pray for you today. And we're going to believe God together. Come on, pray with me, dear Heavenly Father. I thank you right now for saving my soul, for coming into my life. I don't want to just try you today. I want to give you everything. I want to let you come in and take complete control as I surrender my life over to you. Dear Jesus, I love you today. And I thank you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just stand all over this place?